Welcome to SME Funding. My name is Lynette Nduli, CEO of Innate Investment Solutions. And as usual, I'm joined on the couch by my co-host, Kamaran Pariachi, who is the Chief Executive Officer of Spartan. And each week, we get on the couch to demystify the often confusing world of financing, particularly for businesses that are emerging out into our economy. Now, we note all of the various questions and comments that come from our viewers at home. And one of the chief comments and queries that we get is, how do I raise working capital? But Kamaran and I have also been noticing an interesting trend. And one of the trends is, is it working capital you need? Or are there other areas of your business that you should be looking at before you immediately identify working capital as the problem? Kamaran, so as I've opened, we often look at this issue around working capital. and Everybody keeps saying to us they need oxygen, cash flow, <laughs> as it were, in their business. Yes. Let's talk a bit about what working capital is, what working yeah. capital isn't, Great. and do you need it or not? Right. So let's start off with a definition, like you said. And so I'm going to define working capital cycle, mm -hmm. otherwise known as cash conversion cycle. And maybe yes. that latter one gives a better clue, right? Yes. What it means, very simply, is the way the money flows through a business, yes. the cycles through the business, from the start right through the end. So think of it as when you open a tap, mm -hmm. it starts from there and it goes through different buckets. Each bucket catches a little bit, catch, and what's left over at the end in the pond, right? So. That starts off, that would start off from sales, mm -hmm. right? How those customers uh, pay you, mm -hmm. on what terms and what days, what you have to pay your suppliers, yes. how much of money is sitting in the stock, mm -hmm. and what's left over after all of that at the end. That's the working capital cycle moving through, very simplistically. Yes. So, Kamaran, now, if we now understand what our input costs are, what um, our sales and revenue is driving us to, what is it then in the cash conversion cycle that we should specifically be looking at as different levers in our business? Yeah. So, Lynette, if you look at this definition, the loose definition, the high mm. level that I gave of working capital cycle, it's reasonable for any and every business to need some level of working capital mm. financing because there will be a gap. Mm. And so that's what we're calling there should be a valid gap. Right, if you move through that. As an example, your suppliers pay you, uh, sorry, you pay your suppliers maybe in, in 45 days, but your customers are paying you only in 60 days. Mm. That's a two week uh, gap. Right? Mm. So that's a valid reason. Yes. However, what we find and what we see from see. both our experience, uh -huh. us as a funder as well, is that there's a whole lot of invalid reasons. Yes. Right? And so when you go to a bank manager, it looks like this. It's like, I need 3 million rand, or let's say, uh, yeah, 3 million rand, million rand working rand. capital finance. He looks at everything and works things through and says, he actually, only 1 million of it is a valid need. 2 million of it is invalid. You know, it's all his own stuff that is going on. Vanity costs. Right, <laughs> all kinds of mismanagement. So you, that's not a legitimate need. That's not a valid need. Mm. And I'm not going to fund anything invalid. I'm mm. only going to fund what is, what is legitimate. Mm. And so if the bulk of the problem be invalid problems, yes. and, and uh, then you're actually looking for a Band-Aid, not something yes. So let's, let's talk in this episode about, about that uh, invalid stuff. Okay. So, Kumaran, we agree that my business is hemorrhaging um, money in some form of way. But, and I've now come to you as the funder and I've said, I need working capital. But in fact, I don't need working capital. I need to sit down with how I do things as yes. the manager and as the operator 
within this business. So earlier on in the episode, as you were explaining the cash conversion cycle, you started right really at the top of my income statements where you were speaking about sales. Yes. So let's delve into sales. Yes. The money and the oxygen per se that comes in as the first gust of wind into our business and let's move then down through the category of levers that we can begin to manage a lot better before we immediately identify yeah. the problem yeah. as working capital. Yeah. So if you look at that sales, right, let's assume, give the benefit of the doubt for the audience, that they've done a sales forecast for a year, mm. right, or a budget, sales and a cash flow budget. If you haven't, then you're in bigger trouble, but let's assume you have. And that said, okay, I need to be doing sales of a million rand a month. That's, yes. what, uh, that's what I'm planning. That's what I'm forecasting. Mm. And then you're going to the bank and you're saying, actually, I need working capital finance. And you figure, but the sales are only 600,000 rand. Mm. Now, you don't have a working capital problem. You actually have a sales problem that's causing a cash flow deficit. Yes. Because if there's 400,000 rand, the difference between that million that you planned and the six million is actually happening, if that's 400,000 rand less coming mm -hmm. in, and even the gross margin on that less coming in, then there's less cash. And you're asking the bank manager to fund your poor sales efforts, mm -hmm. your poor marketing. Yeah, or you've got a crap product that the customer is not interested in. Maybe that's where the sales are not being achieved. And, or maybe it's not competitive with someone else. Mm -hmm. It's irrelevant. So these are all the different problems. I think we should talk about that there in sales. And that needs to be fixed. Yes, yes. Because if the bank manager sees that, he's going to say, hey, hang on. That's what's really going on here. I can't put a Band-Aid on that. Because until that's fixed, how many more Band-Aids do you need? Every month, right? Pretty much. Every month you need a Band-Aid. Because you're not fixing sales. And, you know, one of my favorite sayings from another South African entrepreneur who said, if you're not selling, you're effectively not in business. Not and in business. I think a lot of people don't realize that if you're not persistently and consistently working on generating new sales or at least alternative streams of revenue into your business to give yourself that oxygen yeah. to carry on, you'll very soon kick yourself out of business, irrespective of what else you do down yeah. the line. And also when you go and get the band-aid, it clouds you and distracts you from doing the real hard work of yes. looking at why those sales are not the way it is, right? Yeah. Like we spoke about, is it the uncompetitive? Is there something wrong with the pricing? Mm -hmm. Is the product crap, you know? Uh, am I not marketing? Is it the biggest kept secret in the world? Maybe that's why well, no one knows about this, you know? Well, and that's what SMEs do, right? When times are tough, the first place you tend to cut is marketing. So, you know, you, nobody, no, nobody can see you, but you're hoping they'll buy from you. Uh -oh. That's when you need to double down. Yep. Because if you cut that down, like you said, the sales drop, it starts dropping the profit, drops the cash, and it's a, it's a, it's a problem you can't really come mm. out of. You know? It's an unforgiving cycle of your demise, right. um, as it were. Well, Kumaran, let's move on then a little bit further on. And I think then sales is often a function of demand, a function of a market, a function of whether our targeted customer um, wants our product or doesn't. It's a, you know, it's, it's, it's a function of a lot of external forces, but obviously with you as the internal force pushing and driving quite hard. Mm -hmm. But then a little bit deeper into yourselves, you've obviously got to look fundamentally at making some form of a profit. Mm -hmm. And so you price your goods a specific way. You account for a number of them in a specific way. And you ultimately want to create margins, as it were, out of your business. Now, I know that the one other area that a lot of our small businesses at home initially battle with is that area of defining what is the correct 
um, profits and gross profit margins yes. for my business. Yes. Let's go into that, Kumaran, in a little bit of detail. Right, so if I use that earlier definition of that cash flow cycle or working cash, I said it starts off with the tap, which is the sales, sales. and then the first bucket that takes away some of the water is uh, the costs, right, to yes. produce the stuff. And then, and then it flows from there. So if your cost to produce or to buy mm. is too high, a lot of that cash is going towards that. Uh, so let me give you a practical example, example in numbers first. Let's say your sales for the month is a million rand mm. and your cost to produce or buy or do the service is approximately 800,000 rand. Yes. So your gross profit is 200,000 rand. That's how much spare cash, that's the cash flow, cash flow. that's how much. So from that first exercise, the 200,000 of the cash flows, right. So now, if your costs were supposed to actually be 600,000. Yes. And there's some reason why it's not. Mm -hmm. That means you're doing yourself a disservice. The cash that was supposed to flow should have been 400,000 as opposed to 200,000. 200, yes. So that's where the mechanics of the problem can lie. Mm. And there's various inputs in there. One, it could be your price, your underpricing. Yep. And it's a big problem with SMEs. Sometimes you often you find that they're underpricing because mm -hmm. they're scared about competition or not confident in your market. Mm -hmm. If you're not confident in your offering in your market and you're offering something that doesn't have a differentiator, then how does that manifest? That insecurity comes out somewhere. And I'm then, insecure. And I'm insecure. I know that I'm not good enough. My product's not good enough compared to my peers. Mm -hmm. I'm not confident who's going to buy it. Mm -hmm. And that insecurity manifests itself in you putting a lower price. Yes. So the lower you're selling, that's what happens. So you start to really erode yeah. value from your business yeah. as We'll talk a about whole. the rest after the break, perhaps. All right. Let's come back after the break. And Kumaran and I are going to talk a little bit more about the levers that can influence better management of working capital in our business so that we don't necessarily have to seek it outside of our business. We'll be right back. Welcome back to SME Funding. So before the break, Kumaran and I began talking about the very significant role of sales as well as gross margins in turning around the fortunes of our working capital in our businesses. So Kumaran, just before the break, we were talking about input costs and just how important it is for us to appropriately measure how much we're spending on the production or the actual delivery of the products that we then go on to extend out into the markets. And you had a few further thoughts. Yes, so we talked first of all the pricing and now we're mm -hmm. talking about the input costs, right? Mm. So if your price is too low mm -hmm. because you're insecure or whatever reason, uh, that means your gross profit, which is your spare cash is less, right? Yes. But it could also be costing you more. Mm. Maybe your pricing is right. Maybe your pricing that you're selling is right. That part of the gross profit equation is right, but you, it's costing you more. How could it cost you more? Mm. One or two things. You're over generous uh, in terms of what you're paying with your suppliers. Mm -hmm. Maybe they are better negotiators than you. You need to go to a negotiation course, course yes. or maybe uh, leverage two or three suppliers and not be dependent on one so that you can get better pricing. Maybe you bulk up, use different strategies to, uh, to negotiate smarter pricing from the supplier. Because mm -hmm. the lower the pricing from the supplier, the more yeah, gross profit. profit. The more gross profit, the more surplus cash at the end. More surplus cash, that helps your cash flow cycle. That improves right? your work. The other uh, thing, maybe you're buying right from the suppliers. Maybe you're buying keenly. 
but when you bring it back into the factory or your operations, maybe it's a circus that's going on and you're not producing this thing mm. efficiently, smartly. Uh, well, you're not getting it to market efficiently and yeah. smartly. So it, maybe it's supposed to cost you 100,000 rand to produce for the month mm. once you brought the stuff in, mm. but it's costing you double that. Yes. That double means 100,000 extra cash that's wasted. Mm. That means 100,000 less cash that is flowing. Everything that's taken away means less is flowing. Yes. That's the trick, right? Yes. The more you take away for nonsense, the less that flows. Mm. So minimize the nonsense, more flows. More flows, always in the business. Mm. See, these episodes of SME Funding are teaching me that my management accounting lectures at university were not a complete <laughs> waste. <laughs> so, Kamaran, let's just move on to fixed costs. Because I think a lot of people um, often confuse the input costs, which is ultimately the costs that are solely geared at producing either the good or the actual product, mm. versus the fixed costs that they actually have in the business. And, you know, those we typically then refer to as our overheads. Yes. So, let's chat a bit about those, because those yeah. are or another factor, sure. vanity costs right. often there cripple Let's assume you fix flows. the sales, right? You've got it at the right level, mm -hmm. so there's a right amount of water flowing from the tap as mm. a start. Let's assume your pricing is right. Yeah. And, 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 and also the cost to produce it in the factory mm. is right. Mm. So now you've got the second level, the right amount of cash that's flowing. Yes. So it's the right amount that's in the bucket that's supposed to be flowing, yes. right? But now from that gross profit, you have to pay your, your fixed overheads, your rent, your wages, your... Uh, marketing, whatever, all your general expenses, mm, you know, the mm. whole list of stuff. But if you are not managing that leanly, efficiently, or optimally, and let's say it's lavish, like it's two fancy Bentley kind of offices and everything is expensive lunches and business class travel and all that kind of nonsense, what happens? Those uh, uh, wasted fixed costs ends up stealing a lot of the cash, Absolutely. which means now again, less is flowing. Absolutely. So if we're in lean times as we are, and yeah. you can see what's happening with the economy, uh, these fixed costs needs to be adjusted down yeah. because otherwise they're going to consume, you're going to be going to the bank manager and saying, I need three million. And he says, you need a million. This extra two for working capital, you've got, you're flying business class, you've got too fancy events, you're doing all these wasted things, that's sucking up the spare mm, cash. Mm, mm. So and we you want me to fund that? No. So, we, so we all need to be tightening our belts and accepting that the, sometimes external forces, in spite of your buckets looking full to you internally, could ultimately be the thing that comes to cripple you. Yeah. And I think as most business owners, we often don't, when, when everything seems to be coasting along well, that's also the time to open your eyes for real. Because mm. then it's these other fixed costs and the costs that perhaps you don't have your eye on mm. that could ultimately cripple um, your, your, your very necessary um, flow of cash into the business. Let's look at stock. So I produce a good um, and I sell that particular stock of, of, of item, but it's not bread which you would have to bake very <laughs> daily. <laughs> and so I produce enough for, say, 20 to 30 days worth of um, a month, but then I need to store a lot of it in a warehouse so that as my different suppliers and my distribution channels need it or my customers need it, I have stock available. But let's say I have too much. That in itself is another thing be that becomes working capital that's literally sitting in my office. That's it. How do we become better at managing that? So the first thing is to track it, is to track what you're dealing with and what you have, right? Mm. So what do we mean? How is working capital trapped in, in inventory? Mm -hmm. Because that box that you have there, or in fact, yeah. even if you're a service business, let's say you're a consulting business. Yes. It's a crude way of saying it, but 
this people that are consulting are kind of like stock, if you will, right? They have a utilization. If they're sitting without billing time, it's also, in a way, idle stock. So whichever stock, way, yeah. whatever type of business the audience has, you can adapt it. So it costs money to have that stock or that box produced there because you had to pay labor, had to pay rent, had to pay supply for raw materials that didn't come from Santa Claus. You produce it, that box is sitting there in the warehouse. Now, that's cash that's been deployed in there. Mm. And the mm -hmm. more it sits there, the more is cash is sitting there. Yes. Right? Now, any business that's got uh, trading, whether it's service or whatever, needs to have some level of stock. Otherwise, yes. you can't operate. You can't really operate. What we're talking about is the invalid aspect of it. Yes. Let's say your stock is holding, it's supposed to be just 200,000 Rand, mm -hmm. but it's actually 600,000 Rand. Now, there's 400,000 Rand more of dead weight sitting in there, which is cash that's tied up. Yes. Because if the correct level was 200,000, mm -hmm. that 400,000 in cash would be in, right? Exactly. Not so. Absolutely. So, why is it that happens? You've got to examine that. Is it a useless product? I, you know, that's not selling. Is it not selling? Uh, mm -hmm. Is it something that ob is it obsolete, perhaps? Maybe your marketing is inefficient. Maybe there is no marketing. Mm. So it's a big secret kept in a warehouse. It needs to move. You but know? a warehouse you're paying for. Right. right. Or sometimes, yeah. and what are the tricks you can use? Is like aggressive marketing, maybe discount the product mm -hmm. once off, not, yes, permanently, not permanently, just to get rid of the dead stock. Yes. And that as a way of moving the stock fast. And as and soon as you sell it, someone's going to pay you cash. That's a way of bringing the cash yeah. flow in. So when you, when you go to your, your, your bank manager, any kind of funder, they look at what's called your stock days. They have yes. a calculation. It's a ratio. Standard non-accounting, Kumaran. The it. ratios. <laughs> <laughs> so they say, if this thing has been sitting too long on the shelf, uh -huh. that means you don't... So you want me to fund your dead stock, mm, you know? Mm. And, and, and I think it, a, lot of, a lot of people often um, procrastinate on the decision on what to do with stock that sits latently in the workshop. I suppose hope is a horrible thing in business because it keeps you hoping that it'll go. But actually, you also need to make very quick and um, decisive moves about if it's sitting there too long, what must happen to it? Yes. Must it be written off? Who can it be That's why you have to, to check it. Etc. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's go to a break. And when we get back from the break, we're going to carry on a little bit more looking at more levers that you should be looking at in your business, but also give you more tips to begin to turn around your working capital requirements in your business. We'll be right back. Welcome back to SME Funding. So before the break, Kumar and I were still focused on the levers that are so critical to your ability to better your working capital in the business without having to borrow working capital outside of your business. So Kumar, let's talk about supplies and our terms related to both supplies, but also debtors a little bit later on. Now, a lot of us have supplies that typically either want their cash on delivery, that want half of their cash perhaps before they even deliver, so they want deposits to secure our business, or they'll generally want payments by sort of 14 to 30 days of the business existing. But if you're a smaller emerging business, those terms tend to often not be to your advantage or even turned in your favor. How do we now begin to influence and drive how our supplier terms assist us with working capital? Yes, you know, if you look at it, if your customer is paying you in 60 days, so you did the sale of a million rand, when are you receiving that cash? A million rand comes in in 60 days. But now you have to pay suppliers collectively 600,000 rand mm. in 30 days. Mm. Now, in 30 days, you've got 600,000, but there's a gap. This money is only coming in here. Mm -hmm. That creates the gap, right? That, and you're going to go to the bank manager to fund 
the gap or someone else because the suppliers are not giving you terms. So that, that's what creates the crunch. So if we, if we can move the supplier term from 30 days closer to the 60, it closes the gap. Absolutely. That's the trick that we're looking for. Now, admittedly, like you intimated, smaller businesses do not have the leverage. It's like, hey, I don't, I don't know you, you're too small, your buying is small, uh, pay upfront and all of that. Yeah. And conversely, the bigger ones that can afford to pay upfront, they've now got the credibility and the size, they get the better terms. Absolutely. So, but it's still not impossible. Mm. I find we settle too easily. You have to go and research different types of suppliers, prepare your negotiating, put a compelling argument. So the supplier, everyone is battling in this economy. So you yes. can be going saying, listen, yeah, sure, you've only got 80% of your sales coming from your top 10, but your competition is there that can erode. I'm a new customer for you. Mm -hmm. This is my plan. Let them know where your plans are. Yes. This is where I'm going. We're starting from here. I'm going to grow the business to that level. So it's in your interest to help me grow because mm. if I can contribute more to your sales. Mm. So how you do that is by giving me better terms. Find a way, find a pain that the supplier is having yes. and something that you can solve. Mm -hmm. Bottom line is find a better way to negotiate and move that terms to match your data's terms. That, mm. In fact, the utopia is going past that. Absolutely. Now you're sitting with way surplus cash if you do that. But for now... But for now, you've got to find a way to bridge the right. gap. So we see now how mm -hmm. it creates the gap, and, yes. then, and the negotiation is what moves it, moves it on, and research suppliers and, and prepare. You know? I think a lot of us also spend a lot of time building relationships with our customers who bring us the first wave of oxygen into our business. But, not. but very rarely spend time concentration, concentrating rather on the relationships with the people who make it possible for us mm. to deliver the service to the mm. customer in the first place. Yeah. So I love what you're you touching standard, on. They'll tell you standard terms, but there's no such thing as standard terms. Everything is up for negotiation. Absolutely. Okay. So let's, moving on from there, let's then talk about um, our debtors. Now, in this market, you have literally got to be sitting with your hand on the till and <laughs> your other hand on the phone, yeah. hunting down your money physically yeah, yeah. in this, in this yeah. market. So, now, how do we get better at the process and how do we develop systems yeah. that help us shorten again in this gap yeah. in our work? So imagine now cycle. you're going to go to your funder or bank manager, whatever you, any kind of funder, and say, I need a working capital finance. Mm. He's, he's going to ask you for a basic set of information. He looks at your debtor's list, your debtor's age, it's called. Your debtor's yes, age, age analysis. First, yes. Probably one of the first things he's going to look at. And when he sees your customers are paying you 60, 90, 120, 180 days, he's going to say, mm. okay. so you want this 3 million rand for me to fund because you can't do your job and collect your, the money properly. That's why he turns you down, mm -hmm. right? So solve that issue first. Now, if you look at the early example, I said if your suppliers are paying you in 30 days, yes, and your debtors are paying, uh, sorry, you're you paying your suppliers, suppliers in 30, 30 days, days, but your customers are paying in 60, 60, that's a gap. And we spoke earlier on a few a minute ago about getting you, the one trick is to get your suppliers to allow you to pay them later. Yes. But another way you can do it, or in it, fact, simultaneously, mm -hmm. is get your customers to pay you earlier. There we go. So you tell your customers, instead of paying you 60 days, they must pay you 30, mm -hmm. right? So that's an important thing. Now let's talk about how, how one can do that. It is negotiating those terms up front, putting it yes. in your terms and conditions, number one. Because if, if they are loose, then they will negotiate it loosely mm -hmm. for you, right? Mm -hmm. That's number one. Mm -hmm. Number two is make sure your product and your offering is compelling. Because if you feel insecure in what you have, then you're going to kind of give them loose terms to get them to deal with you. Then they're not really dealing with you because you're awesome, because your product or service is awesome. Mm -hmm. They're dealing with you because you're the guy that's playing a pseudo bank manager to them by allowing them to pay you late, 
right? And then you're too scared to be stiff with them. Mm. because. And then the next thing one can do is, in your processes and documentation, make sure the statements go, invoices are on time, statements are on time. Yes. Uh, and how the, those things happen is by having a dedicated debtors person, yes. someone that is in charge of collecting that money. Or if mm -hmm. you can't afford it or don't have them yet, an accountant, get them to pay an extra bit of service, let them do that mm. part for you mm. during mm. the month. And then the systems. Mm -hmm. If you're not looking at what those debtors are every month and what they're doing, you can't begin to phone and collect and nag them and all of that. So and if it's unmanaged, it's just... And you've also to be a big part of the system as well. Sorry, yes, I, I yes, find yes. that as entrepreneurs, we also spend a lot of time building relationships and building and compelling business cases. But when it's time to demand what we're worth, we're the people shrinking behind, back behind this very couch. We're afraid to go to the customer's office, as it were, after we've delivered the service and say, hi, I'm not here to sell you anything new. I'm just here for my old money. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's also very, very important yeah. for the business owner to yeah. be part of the system. Too. And also it could be stay away from certain sectors. If you know construction is going to, is because their products are long, they're mm -hmm. going to be stretching you as a customer, you may not want to deal with that segment. Mm. You may not want to deal with public sector if you know their bureaucracy or process takes too long, mm. you know. So, so you've got to vary your exposure to different to types of clients. Because the sector may, may be poisoned yeah. from the start, so to speak, mm. you know. I think another very useful thing there is also to vet your debtors right at the beginning. Big time. Um, you know, make sure that they are, they are who they are. They, you know, they've got money. They can actually sort your, your obligations out as well. And I think a lot of us skip that step until it's way too late. And we're sending legal letters to ghosts and other fun and games. Yeah. Well, Kumaran, let's go to the tip of the week. Yeah. My tip is this, is simply when you're requiring uh, working capital finance, make sure you're first close all this nonsense gap that we've spoken about. Mm. Otherwise, you're going to look like a fool in front of your funder. Mm. And when they reject you, you deserve that rejection mm. because you have mm -hmm. not fixed mm. up your internal nonsense first. So, so it validates the case for why you need working capital funding in the first place. To our viewers at home, thank you very much for contributing um, to this topic that we've discussed today. And we invite you to continue contributing to our conversation, whether it's by email, as well as on social media, media at funding underscore SME. But continue to also watch the show and keep these tips that Kamaran and I share. And let us know if they are, in fact, turning around your fortunes as you seek funding, but you also create new opportunities and avenues for cash to flow better in your businesses. We'll catch you on the next episode of SME Funding. Thank you.